on today's Compassion Radio. James 127. I'm going to go serve the widow and the orphan and the poor, and I'm going to give my life to that. Let's start a company in a village in Nepal that the men can be hired so they don't have to sell their children into sex slavery to feed their other children. Let's be kingdom entrepreneurs. Let's think bigger than what we've done in the past. And so those are the kids I'm looking for. Hi, folks, and welcome to Compassion Radio, the journal of God's people stepping up, leaning in, and lifting the burden off the backs of the oppressed. And that's just an average day's work. Seem a little out of your league? Well, today's guest might change your mind on that, and it's simply because he has discovered himself that we're not the ones doing the heavy lifting. But really, it comes down to a simple question. If it was within your power to alleviate suffering, if you could change the world... If you could even bring heaven down to earth, would you do it? Friends, this ain't fantasy. It's the way of Jesus. And in this three-part series, you'll discover that the impossible really does become possible if we'll simply say yes to Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. On Compassion Radio this morning, we're introducing another new friend. This man's name is Gary Black, and he is the director of the G42 Leadership School. I'm going to learn more about that because our friend Seth Barnes at Adventures and Missions turned us on to his life story and said that Gary is the guy to help knit together some of the toughest strains of real faith that we've all been experiencing as a church over the past year especially. But his story goes a lot deeper than that and might be very informative and encouraging for those who are really struggling right now. Gary, welcome to Compassion Radio. It's great to be here, Brom. Thank you very much for having me. You are now currently in Colorado, but you've been hopscotching around the globe because you're one of those missional people that seem to be getting called to the very edge of the sword, so to speak. And you raise your family in many places, which means you're kind of a citizen of the kingdom, and so are your kids. They feel like their true passports are with God. But there's also a lot of dangers along the way, and you walk through some really dark valleys. We're not going to camp on those valleys and say, this is where it ends. But you do have a resurrection story that I want to get to today. But first of all, tell me what you're doing right now and then how it all began. Okay, great. Uh, Yeah, we are back in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I was born and raised here. And my 82-year-old father, my sister was raising her three special needs kids. We lost my mom about four years ago. Wow. Uh, And then my brother was here to help, and he slipped on some ice and and cracked his head open and froze to death. We lost him last February. Oh, good Lord. And my sister, who was special needs when we lost my mom, was just heartbroken. She literally died of a broken heart. And so so we knew we were coming back. But when when COVID hit in Spain, it was, you know, we were on full lockdown. Yeah. It was a 600-euro fine to go out your front door. Uh, It was for real. We got out of there last June and came back. All of our stuff is still in Spain, actually. We didn't, we didn't know we were moving back for good. Okay, hold on one second there. Yeah. The chapter you're talking about here, the beginning of COVID coincided with the loss of two of your family members, which you felt you had to be back to be with them to, to serve, to be the kind of family that God calls us to be in crisis. And you couldn't go. That's the point. That's right. That is correct. Uh, and actually three of them, my sister, my brother, and my mom. Yeah. Oh, good grief. 
So, so we got back and, and, you know, saw dad in the condition and knew that he needed us. And we just knew, you know, scripturally, biblically, and just in our hearts, this is God bringing us back into this city, which, mm. you know, there's some real redemptiveness around that for me personally. And we can talk about that later. And then just to serve dad and these kids. And so that's why we're here. So how many kids are you serving and adopting, basically, in, within your family since the loss of your brother and sister? Yeah, there's three of them, 30, 28, and uh, 18, almost 18. And they all have a chromosome disorder. So mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're up to about an age eight or nine level. Great, incredible kingdom kids. They just love Jesus. They love the whole neighborhood. The whole neighborhood knows them. Mm-hmm. So it's not hard. It's a beautiful call. And so it's good to be back here for that. And we moved our school, G42, temporarily out of Spain and, and here to Colorado Springs with us. Now, I only have to shift a lot of horses here, so we're going to jump saddles. G42, why did you start it in Spain, and what does it do? So we, uh, Seth Barnes, a name that you talked about, um, and I just want to warn you, if you sit on his front porch yeah. and have a cup of coffee, you may end up in another country. Yeah, indeed. Uh, he and a, a gentleman named Andrew Shearman, who's my mentor, he's a 76-year-old Brit-American that lives in Spain, and another guy, Dr. Tom Davis, we all got together and kind of started the world race. Uh-huh. Uh, the world race is we send young people to 11 countries in 11 months. And then I will go in and find the leaders that are out on the race. And so I would go, if there were three squads that were close to one another, I'd go into Cambodia or India and do a three-day awakening and find just the leader of leaders in the generation yeah. and invite them to Spain for nine months of spiritual formation, leadership, and discipleship to go plant kingdom somewhere on the planet, to be an entrepreneur for Jesus. So we've been doing that for nine years. We've been in Spain full-time for five with the school, with G42. And what part of Spain was the campus? South Spain in a little village right outside of Malaga mm. called Mijas Pueblo. We, we saw the uh, Moroccan mountains from our little terrace. We miss it. Gorgeous. Very inexpensive. Cost of living was pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, so, beautiful place. Sounds like being down the Baja somewhere in the Mexican Riviera. Yeah, that's right. Gorgeous. You choose these places because they are a place of rest, but a place of quiet. And they're not really noisy places. Because you have to focus in on all of the processing that some of these young leaders have been poured into over the past nine months or so of their travels around the world. And these people had no clue what they were getting into when they jump in a world race. It's just an adventure. And they trust the people that are going to take them on these adventures. Yeah, that's right. But they're also trusting that God's going to open up doors for them to see the world the way he wants them to see it. And you're discerning who those people are that really have jumped on a God's wavelength quickly and are quick learners and are also servant hearts, but have something in them that you see is the spark of divine inspiration leadership. But you also have some criteria. What do you go through when you assess people who have been out on these world races to say, yep, they've got what we've seen a number of times in the past God has used in certain specific ways to build a kingdom like others just can't? Yeah, that's a great question, bro. You know, I'm really looking for those young people that have chosen to the pain. They haven't run from it. Most of the generation is fatherless if we're just honest, and it's a big issue now for about three, four generations. I think it's our biggest issue, honestly. And so these young men, they're boys, and they don't know how to become men. There's mm-hmm. been no initiation process. And that's really why we started the race. It was that, that idea of let's get them out of the fog of America, which we love America, but there is a fog here, and there's, a, there's an overabundance, and there's a coddling and a comfortable spirit that's kind of taken over. Let's show them a world that's worth dying for. Let's show them there's more out there than what they could ever understand. And God's much bigger and better than you could ever know. 
once you touch these people who know joy and love life and have peace, even though they're, they're in poverty, even though they have nothing. And so then when I see those young people kind of rise to the top that go, oh, my Lord, I want to. Yes, God, you're worth it. First, Jesus did something for me. I need to give him my life. And then secondly, the way I do that is go by you know, doing James 127. Hmm. I'm going to go serve the widow and the orphan and the poor, and I'm going to give my life to that. What I love is let's start a company in a village in Nepal that the men can be hired so they don't have to sell their children into sex slavery to feed their other children. Yeah. So let's be kingdom entrepreneurs. Let's think bigger than what we've done potentially in the past. And so those are the kids I'm looking for. And learn the actual biblical definition of redemption in that way, too. That's right. Exactly. And so that's what we're trying to get in them. Gary, you talked about reaching the young men because of the coddling in the West, especially in America, as dampening the spirit that God is calling out of young men. But your program is not just about young men, which I'm actually very encouraged about because I've got very strong kids in my family that have very missional lives. And they're not just boys. Yeah. So tell me about the, the breakdown of the students that come to you and how you assess those people that come to your retreats and then come into your school in such a way that you say, boy, girl, young man, young woman, are you pulling from both sides of the aisle, so to speak? Are you raising up young leaders who are both young men and young women? Absolutely. A hundred percent. In fact, the women are the ones who keep showing up. <laughs> I'm a big believer. You know, Jesus, who did he talk to and trust the most with yeah. Mary, his best friend? And, you know, I think we've missed it with these young women. They are powerful and they're self-initiated. You know, they have to go through things yeah. like menstrual cycles and pregnancies where they don't have any control over the pain or any control over what happens to them in a sense. And boys, they can control everything. They don't yeah. have to have any pain, especially nowadays. They can have food instantly. They can have anything they want through their phone. And so we see these women really stepping up. I mean, I'm doing a conference in July in Denver called The Standard. And it's a 31-year-old woman who's called back the fathers from a movement we started, a small movement we started in the 90s, because she wants the youth of Denver just to be arrested by this man, Jesus Christ. Hmm. And she's just doing it on her own. What a great so word, I, We find that a lot with these women. They're incredible. So you're not afraid yeah. of stepping into where God has already said, these people understand suffering, and we're not being glib about this at all. Women understand suffering in a way that men have never understood probably will never understand. And God intended for them to be able to lead us in the ways of service that he leads us because he knows them and he created them this way to understand him better, I think, on that level. And I agree with you that there's a huge reservoir out there that the church has just you know, basically abandoned or ignored, assuming that a certain particular political or theological stance means that women can't be part of ministry. You've learned better because you've been out That's there true. in the world to see it. And I, I'm just driving that point home because I want people to understand that this is not a decision that AIM made simply because of politics or doctrine. That's right. You made that choice to say, we're going to invest in the lives of women because God showed you that he was building up leaders on the field as you went. And you had to learn from him where you went, what God was really up to. That's right. We'll be back to the interview in just a moment. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. You know, for over 78 years now, Compassion Radio listeners and supporters like you have absolutely been up to the task. 
Will you help us get ready for the next big faith challenges and opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. It begins with you and your brave investment in kingdom communication and kingdom action. Every time we go to the front lines of faith, it inspires your faith and your giving to the Great Commission as much as it does ours. You step up and make it possible. It's our strong desire to be going deeper, to go farther, to be braver than we've ever been, and to bring you the stories that you just won't hear anywhere else. I simply ask that you would keep giving so that we can give back to the world through our strategic ministry partners and to you with inspiring programming on this radio station and over the internet. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone, no matter where you are. Of course, you can also put a stamp on an envelope and mail your gift to our Compassion Radio office, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Again, that's P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. And I agree with you that there's a huge reservoir out there that the church has just basically abandoned or ignored, assuming that a certain particular political or theological stance means that women can't be part of ministry. You've learned better because you've been out there in the world to see it. And I'm just driving that point home because I want people to understand that this is not a decision that AIM made simply because of politics or doctrine. That's right. You made that choice to say, we're going to invest in the lives of women because God showed you that he was building up leaders on the field as you went. And you had to learn from him where you went, what God was really up to. That's right. That's exactly it. And and these women, you know, it's 1 Peter 3 when he says, be subject to. Peter was asking these women, look, your husbands aren't Christians. I want you to like show them who Jesus is, subject to them in that sense, so they can find him themselves. And these women had no choice, you know, who they were going to marry and if they were being abused or not. I mean, they were the, the yeah. most degraded thing on the planet at the time. And so, yeah, we're big proponents. Of, let's release these women into leadership, into their call, why they're on the planet. And Brown, they keep showing up. The Amen. ladies keep showing up, and it's awesome to watch. Okay, give me an example of the transformations you've experienced. Maybe you didn't expect when you started investing in them and teaching them the principles of leadership and the practical applications of it. They're probably teaching you plenty about what they've just experienced on the field, and you're helping them to process that in the Spirit. So what are you learning, and what are you finding out that they're learning that God is being the supreme instructor of? Yeah, I think the biggest lesson is that, you know, life is hard, Hmm. and we've overcoddled our kids in America, and again, that's not a judgment or anything else. I'm, I'm guilty of this. But these kids are so coddled and so protected because of a spirit of fear and mm, all the things that happen. So when they get out there, they experience pain. They experience, why God would you allow all these girls to be sold into sex slavery? Yeah. Why God is all this stuff happening? They have to wrestle with that question, which I love. They have to wrestle for their own faith. And many of them get back into America and they kind of spin out for a little bit. 
it's hard for them to reconnect with their friends and their family and yeah. the church they grew up in. Once they kind of can wrestle in through that pain and allow that pain, because pain is the greatest teacher if we allow it to be, mm. to transform them into Christ people. Not just a good person who goes to church on Sunday morning, but a Christ person yeah. who wants to literally give their lives to see other lives better. And not just to justice, but for this man, Jesus Christ. And it's a different level. Yeah, I think of the first leadership school we read about in the Bible, it's got to be Antioch, and that's why that word Christian was invented, because these people had been so modeled into a lifestyle that people look at them and said, this has got to be what that Christ person is like, because they keep telling us about him, and they keep acting like it. Yep, that's right. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's kind of our base scripture. Is let Christ in you become hope for everyone around you. We want to bring heaven to earth. Mm. The point isn't going to heaven. Yeah. The point is bringing heaven to earth every day. And making this look like the garden. So every heart that I touch, I want that heart to look like the Garden of Eden. The whole point is that. Okay, so I'm going to fire back on that one. Is this a social gospel? We get asked that all the time. We're talking about transformative kind of work, the actual working out of the gospel on the planet. And so many have bought into this theology that it's just about the world to come and that we can just let the world slide to hell because, you know, we can't save it anyway. Gross falsehood. We're just waiting to get rescued out of here. Yeah. Get me out of here, God. And, you know, either one of those don't work. <laughs> World racers have never no. bought into that. So what you've sent them out to do is to be transformative. And not just for a minute. You're talking about eternal transformations in people's lives, which transform families, communities, and countries. And the course of history, eventually. That's exactly it. So you are committed to a missional stance towards history. The history that you're making. That's right. So these people come to you and they sit in your living room. They look out there over the straits and look at the mountains of Morocco across the Straits of Malaga there. What are they experiencing when they first sit down and just start to decompress? They've come out of this hugely transformative experience of seeing people as they really are, seeing suffering up close, entering into that suffering in a way that doesn't just observe it or have an uneasy sympathy, but an empathy that says, I can, I must, and I am going to suffer with, not just address someone else's suffering, but enter into like Jesus does. Yes. So it's a lot of unlearning. Right? Mm. I, I mean, a lot of these kids need to unlearn. They've been told their whole life that you need a ticket out of hell and a ticket into heaven, that the point is just that. And there's, they're kind of introduced to Christianity in a fear-based way yeah. instead of a life transformative way, which Jesus said, what is eternity? He said, it's to know my father. Mm. We want these kids to kind of unlearn some of this stuff because it's been fear-based. And if I said it before, God's much bigger and better than you've ever been known. You were born <laughs> yeah. to be loved, period. You're on this planet because there's a Father in Heaven who loves you more than life itself mm -hmm. and has proved that. Now let's go find that Father and learn who He is. And again, because so many of these kids are fatherless, mm -hmm. they don't see God as a good good God. They see him and they sing the songs, you know, yeah. he's a good, good father, but they don't believe that. Hmm. And so I feel like it's our responsibility as elders to keep healthy marriages, to show them what a true father is so that they can get a picture of the father in heaven as not this great stoic Sean Connery, and this is my son kind of God, yeah. but this loving father who leans over the balcony of heaven and just, you know, explode, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. That's the kind of dad or father in heaven we want these kids to learn, with the fear of the Lord. Yeah. Not the fear of man, not the fear of, of going to hell one day, but under the biblical truth that this is a God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, but he's a lover. He's a, he, he, he'll fight for your life if you'll fight with him and as you fight with him. You know, that's where we start. 
How many of these potential leaders that you see as a seed of, of that greatness, but of selflessness and self-sacrifice come to you and still don't know this, don't realize that God is good? They've been working hard out of their flesh to do the right thing, to be a good servant, and they are at the end of themselves. They get out there on the race and realize they have nothing left, and their tank is empty. They don't know how to fill it, and they're scared. And then you come along and see them at that point of desperation and bring them to a place where they can discover the God who is. It's the majority of them. I would mm. I would say in the 90 percentile that they just don't have hope because they haven't seen hope. One of our biggest crises is we have a young, beautiful 20-something or 30-something young woman come to us every day. They come to my wife. They can't find a good Christian man. Hmm. We get with these men, and they're 30. They say, I've never seen a marriage done well. I haven't seen kids raised well. I haven't even thought about being married. And so we have this epidemic that we've seen happen historically in Europe and other places where these men just don't want to grow up. And I think it's much more from a fear of success than it is a fear of failure. There you go. Because if I step into this role, I'm responsible now as a covenant man to bring life to everything I touch. And how do I do that if I've never seen it? Right. So we've got to demonstrate that we are just responsible as a generation of elders. It's Malachi 4, 5, and 6, which is my theme verse, Hmm. turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children's hearts back to the fathers. And that's when we see curses broken. That's when we see a multi-generational movement of the bride of Christ covering the earth as the waters cover the sea in God's glory. And the harvest is the end of the age. And so as a multi-generational movement, we want to see the harvest cover the whole earth in God's glory. That's our message. I'm hearing this theme repeating a bit in a number of organizations that we've seen around the world that are invested in rescuing the kids out of despair and giving them a path and a community and mentorship forward so that when they become the young leaders in the countries where they live, they will, by nature, be transformative just by being the kind of people that they've been made into. Because every generation, of course, is going to transform their nation, whether they like it or not, or whether the nation likes it or not, because they are the nation. And they'll be handed the baton whether right. those who are handing it to them want to or not. It's just the way of yeah. things. And so you are preparing people to know even what the baton is. What is it that we should be handing on to the next? And what is it that we should definitely not be handing on to the next? And how do we discern the two? So you're raising up these leaders to be that in not just their own home culture or their first culture, but in maybe one of the many third cultures they pass through along the way. Give me a, a success story just tell me about somebody or a group of people that you've mentored over the years that really surprised you, or at least God surprised you with what became of the investment in their lives. I know you have to probably keep some anonymity here for operational sake, maybe even disguise the country they're working in now. But tell me about something that God really gave you hope because what you saw him do in their lives. Yeah, I mean, I could give you hundreds, uh, and it's it's amazing. I mean, we have a young man who is a heroin addict, a drug addict, no father, fatherless on the streets meets Christ, comes on the world race. We meet him. He comes to G42, and now he's planting uh, restaurants called Harvest hmm. in America, and he's hiring a bunch of our world race alumni and G42 alumni, and he's doing kingdom in these restaurants. Awesome. Everyone who walks in there has been immersed in prayer. It's, they're getting greeted by people who just are loving them, not just want to evangelize people, but love people really well. And through that love, let people ask questions. And feed them. Exactly. And people feel seen when they come to his place. 
We've got a young lady in Cambodia that's just serving all the kids, the sex traffic girls there. And she, she's been there quietly. No, no marketing material, no nothing. She just serves this community that she's in to see transformation. And, and, and literally the community starts to look different when these kids will go do that. Yeah. And so there's story after story. Now, of course, we have the, the hard side where they come home and they just spin out and they kind of lose their faith for a while. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense anymore. And we know that 70-some percent of all of our kids that go to university lose their faith. If they go as Christians. Yeah. And so it's a fight. We've got to stay in the fight. And a generation reaches itself. So I want these kids that are starting to lose their faith to meet the kids, the young people, who are actually caught it and said, yes, it's transformed me. That's what starts to change a generation. We'll get more into Gary Black's powerful personal story on tomorrow's program. So join us then to learn more about his ministry, the development of leadership in the church today, and the work of Adventures and Missions, one of the world's largest sending organizations today. Please tune in then. We can't do this work without you, and we can't introduce you to the inspiring stories of the kingdom if you don't send us. Simply go to our website, CompassionRadio.com. Our toll-free number is manned during business hours Pacific time at 1-800-868-2478. If you get voicemail, just leave a full message, and we will call you back as soon as the office is open. You can also write us and send your gift by mail to Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 928 I'm Bram Floria. Join us for the next Compassion Radio or online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless you, friends.